Well, there's a bunch of different ways we could go, but... <laughs> you know, as you begin to honor the presence of the Lord in worship, you'll find yourself that you don't even need me to preach you a message because you've already got what you needed. And we still open the Word and we honor the Word, but you realize that Jesus is the Word and He got inside of you and that He is just alive in you as the Word is alive on its pages. And He begins to speak to your heart in ways that only He can do. He begins to heal things in your heart in a way that only He can do. So many of us walk around with the baggage of life and the hurts that you were never meant to carry, which is why Peter said, cast your care upon the Lord, for He cares for you. He does the caring on your behalf. And you know what He did with the carrying of that? He buried it in the grave. And He raised to new life with you in His arms. And so Jesus, we just honor You. We give You glory, Holy Spirit. We thank You for Your presence that's already in here. Come on, guys, whatever you need this morning, if you're still dealing with pain in your body, you just go ahead and say, I receive in Jesus' name. I receive the fullness of that. I receive healing from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. I will not put up with anything less than the wholeness that the stripes of Jesus have purchased for me. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we thank you that now as we turn to your word that you inspired them to write, I thank you that you take hold with us. And that revelation knowledge flows. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's jump right into the word. Thank you, Toph. We have been talking about authority for the last two weeks, and we're going to jump right into things, and we're going to move a little quick this week. You know, there's quite a few things that I want to get covered in this. Actually, I shouldn't say we're going to move quick. We may not move at all. <laughs> I, Pete and I were talking about it on Wednesday, and I'm like, you know, for three weeks now, I've only ever gotten past like a quarter of the message that I had planned because it's just like keep getting interrupted. And you know what? When you come with a demand in your heart being like, God, I come to meet with you. I come to receive from you. He will meet meet that. He will have me go down rabbit trails that I didn't think about. Things that you need will just begin to pull, get pulled out as you draw on the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about the authority of the believer. And for the month of January and February, we talked about the name of Jesus. And this topic goes right hand in hand with the name of Jesus. You have authority in Christ Jesus because of the name that has been given to you by Christ Jesus, that you have been made one with Him. And so we need to understand what God is talking about when he says that he's given us authority. You know, I, I came across an interesting uh, um, quote this week while I was doing some preparation, and it was a psychiatrist who actually said it. He said, a person's self-perception is highly important to one's well-being. Yeah, let's do it in one that you can actually read. And he said, the way we see ourselves, our strengths, and our weaknesses determines to a great extent how we think and how we act. So when we talk about the name of Jesus and the authority of the believer, I'm wanting to ground you to your very core with an understanding that you can go ahead and act and step out in Jesus and do the works that he said you could do. I want you to be so founded in that because if you're 
you're looking at it from your weakness and your inability, fear will hold you back. But when you see yourself as God sees you, as his beloved child in whom he loves so dearly, who he has empowered with his very power from on high, the same God that came and got on the inside of you, when you begin to have an understanding of what you are and who you are and what you've made to be in Christ Jesus, fear can't hold you. I like what John said. He said, perfect love casts out fear. He throws it out the window. And what do you know is perfect love? God is love. And Jesus was his love gift. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And Jesus now lives in you. Hallelujah. So we're talking about the authority of the believer. And when we talk about that, in in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give you authority. Everyone say me. Me. Now look to your neighbor and say you. You. Look to your other neighbor and say, Oh, John, I'm not sure about you. You got no neighbors this morning. I'm going to have to come and sit. John, he's talking about you, buddy. He's talking about you. When he's talking about who he's giving authority to, he's talking about you. He wasn't just talking about the disciples as we've talked about in the last two weeks. He was talking about his kids. He was talking to all of Christendom who are not just a religion. You are God's kids. He is daddy God. He is the father of all creation and you are are his sons and his daughters. And he said, behold, I give you not someone else. He's giving you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, when he says serpents and scorpions, he's not talking about you jumping into a snake pit or finding some venomous scorpions to handle or anything like that. That's not what he's talking about. Those are a symbolic picture of the works of the enemy. And he's given you power over all of the works of the enemy, whether it be a spirit of infirmity, whether it be a spirit of lack, whether it be a spirit of sickness in your body, whatever it is, you have power over it. Amen? Come on, you got to keep up with me here. I'm a little fired up and I don't know how to slow down sometimes. But the word that he uses there is the word exousia, and it means power of authority or influence and of right or privilege. Why do you have the right to authority or the privilege of authority? Because you are his kid. And because it means power of authority or influence, God has given you the ability to influence the situations around you. You don't have to be one who feels what's going on around and submits to it, you get to be the one who comes in and sets the atmosphere. You get to decide what goes on in your house. I like what Jessica was talking about, like changing the environment in your house, taking some time to worship. You know, that's so important. Just you determining the atmosphere of your house. I'm a parent of four kids. It gets crazy sometimes. They yell, they scream, they fight, they punch, they bite. And sometimes it's just like, guys, we're going to settle down now. We're just going to take some time and worship God. And it's amazing how you give an atmosphere of peace room and peace begins to flow to those once wild children. (laughs) And you know, 
Something that I remember Lynette Hagen saying, that wherever she goes, she travels a lot. She gets into her hotel room. The first thing she does is she pulls out her speaker, and she puts her iPod on it, and she sets worship music. And the whole time that she's there, even if she's not in the room, she lets just worship music just play in her hotel room. And she comes in, and she says, I don't care who was here last. I'm here now, and there is an atmosphere of peace in this place. And she's got so many thousands of stories now of the, the, of the, the house cleaner coming in to clean her room and just being like, oh, I just walked into your room, and it was just like a blanket hit me. I was just so calm and so peaceful. Yeah, you get to determine the atmosphere. But I like what John McMillan said. He's talking about authority. He says it's delegated power. And it's important that we make that distinction. This is not power that is inherent to you as a human being. This is power that has been given to you by God, and it's His power on loan to you. And so whenever we find any type of situation and we find ourselves feeling like, I am not enough, you're looking to the wrong power source because He's never met a situation that He was greater than. And I love what John said. He said that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So what source are you looking to? If you feel like you have an inability or a weakness, you have a wrong perception. We need to take a God perception on it. Wow, I'm just all over the place this morning. God, where are we going next? Why don't we jump into right where we left off last week. In Mark chapter 13, just to give you a little bit of context what's going on, Jesus is having a conversation with his 12 disciples. And the thing that gets brought up is, Jesus, is this the time when you're going to come and sit on the throne of, of Israel and be the ruling king over all the world? You know, they were very much wrapped up in, is God going to physically come and end all wars and do all that thing? And you want to know why they thought that way? The Jewish kingdom, for many years now at the point Jesus got there, has been subjugated by the Roman Empire. They are the ones that are in control, and the Jews, if you got assigned as a Roman soldier to go to, to Israel and into Jerusalem, that was like the worst assignment you could get. You want to know why? These Jews were just horribly all the time revolting against the Roman Empire. And so by the time Jesus came on the scene, there was not much goodwill there from the Roman Empire. They, they're very much like, okay, one more revolution, try guys, and we're just going to wipe you out. And that's what they did just a few years after Jesus went, went home. He, they basically marched a legion into Jerusalem, burned the city down, tore the temple down, ripped every stone apart in the temple, and murdered most of the population. And so that is the environment that this is being written in. There's a lot of turmoil going on, and so they're looking for freedom from the physical yoke of Rome. But what Jesus was offering was greater. He was offering freedom from every yoke. Spiritual, emotional, physical. And so they're asking him, Jesus, when are you going to take over, end all these wars and sit on the throne? And Jesus' response to them is, take heed, watch and pray, for you don't know when the time is. But then he goes and tells them how the time is, what it is like right now. And he says this in verse 34, it's like a man going into a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. 
So the example Jesus gives them of the time they're stepping into is the very thing we're talking about. Who's the man going away to a far country? He is. And who are his servants? We are. So who is he giving authority to? Us. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. And he says, watch therefore, for you don't know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, unless coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And so what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So what was Jesus trying to say? I'm going to be giving you guys, this is 12 disciples sitting in front of him, I'm going to be giving you my authority. I'm going to be delegating my power. Do something with it. Don't let me come and find you idle doing nothing. And so when he says this in the last verse of the conversation, he says, and what I say to you, I say to all. So he's not just talking to the disciples here. He's talking to us. Thank you, Rob. Why doesn't everybody else go and say, he's talking to me. (laughs) Watch. And the word that he uses there is the Greek word Gregorio, which means to watch, to give strict attention to, to be cautious, and to be active. The things that God has given to us in Christ Jesus was given to us to be active with them. And so we see the picture of Christianity that so many are just sitting back waiting for God to do something. They are in a position of inactivity. But the very thing that Jesus wants us to be is get active. Use what you've been given. Do you realize that the power of the Holy Spirit in you is in you to be used If we look at the example of the Old Testament, every time the Spirit of God came down upon one of them, it was for them to do something. You know that we often like to talk about uh, Samson and he's so strong. You know that he wasn't strong all the time? Only when the Spirit of God was upon him? And whenever the Spirit of God came upon him, it was when he was going to do something. You realize that you don't have the Spirit upon you. You have Him in you. He doesn't come and go like the Old Testament. Jesus said He would come and make His home in you. That He would never leave you. That that's where He'd be forever. And so there is an activity on the inside of you that's stirring and is just waiting to be released in the situations around you. If you see the sick, know that the power of God is there to heal them. I like the story when Jesus goes to his hometown and he begins to preach and his story starts this way. The power of God was present to heal. But you know, no one got healed because they looked at him and was offended and said, is this not Joseph's son and Mary's son and aren't his brothers and sisters among us here? And they were offended at him you realize that the presence of God is always present to heal? Because he's always interested in solving problems. And he's also all present. Never once did someone come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need healing. And he said, sorry, today's not the day. The presence of God's not here. 
And actually, whenever anybody asks him, Lord, are you willing? His only response ever was, I will. And the same power that he worked with on this earth has now been delegated to you. Maybe he's more willing in the situation you're in right now than you realize. And so as I was thinking about this sequence here in Mark chapter 13, I realized there was another conversation very similar to it that Jesus had in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 25, it starts this way in verse 13. Watch therefore, for you don't know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And verse 14 says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Isn't that the same similar type of conversation he was having in Mark 13? He says, a man is traveling to a far country who called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. So again, Jesus uses the same type of example. A man is going away, but don't worry, he's left all of his stuff to you to use. And it says, and so he calls his servants to him, and it says, to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on his journey. So we have three servants mentioned. One he gave five talents to, one he gave two talents to, and one he gave one, and it was each in accordance to his own ability. Do you know that God knows where you're at right now? And he knows what you are able? Now, some people can look at that and say, well, you know, that, that's kind of unfair that God would be willing to give one five and one only one. Doesn't he love us all the same? Yes, but not each one of us have fostered the gifts that he's given us. Not all of us have conditioned ourselves to listening to his voice. Not all of us have conditioned ourselves to create an atmosphere around us. And so God will never ask you to step outside of where he's brought you in your teaching schedule. He will walk with you and work with you. But it's interesting how the story goes. And it says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So now the five guy has 10. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. They increased by using what they had been given. Think about that. If you do nothing, you get nothing. If you do something with what you've been given, more comes. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he, who had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. And here's the Lord's response. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And also, he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents, and I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Wait a second, but he didn't make five more like the other guy did. No, but he did something with what he had, and both were considered 
good and faithful servants. Think about that. It doesn't have to do with how much you have. It has to do with what you do with it. That determines whether you're faithful and whether you've done good in what he's asked you to do. But then, he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And so I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, have what is yours. Two completely different hearts between the three servants. The five and the two, they understood their master. Number one, he didn't understand the master at all. He said he was afraid of him, and he saw him as a hard man. Now, I have to ask you the question, how many people, Christians, do you know that view God as a jerk up on a throne? Who see that he's just waiting to punish us and hurt us and therefore they're afraid of him. And you realize that those people don't have flowing, loving relationships with him like they should. Why? Because they view him wrong. Each one of the three servants was given something. Only two did something with it. And the Lord said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You know that I reap where I've not sown. So he didn't see that as a problem. (laughs) And gather where I've not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I at least would have received back interest. He says, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Why? Because he'll do something with it. You notice the master didn't take the talents back. The 10 talent guy still had 10 talents and now he's got 11 to work with. How long until that guy now has 22 to work with and then 44 to work with? As you're willing to work with God and let him grow you in your abilities, you increase. And so right now you may be laying laying hands on a toenail problem. Let him work with you and you'll be raising the dead. Come on. We need to think bigger in terms of what he said, not what we feel. There's a big difference. If you go by your feelings, you'll always end up stepping back. But when you go by what he said about you, it gives you a backbone. It makes you go, why can't I come through this situation when everybody else has given up? Why can't I build a successful business while everybody else is closing up shop? Why can't I walk in divine health while everybody else around me is getting the coronavirus? Come on, there's so much fear surrounding that right now. I see the health of God in every situation, not just the ones that I'm used to. So whatever shows up tomorrow... God has already thought of and already provided for. Okay, let's keep moving. (laughs) Hallelujah. So Jesus 
last conversation he's having with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 25, that's not it, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he says, and Jesus came and spoke with them. You think the, the last conversation you're going to have with someone ever, you want to make it count, right? Right? Okay, just making sure I'm not the only one in the room. I remember when my parents dropped me off. We had driven down to Oklahoma. We were going to now be a continent apart. The last thing they said as they're about to get in the vehicle is, we love you. Why? Because you want the last things that are said to be the important ones. So these are the last things that Jesus says to his disciples. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. Take it. Use it. He said, go to all the world. The people he was talking to most likely had never left the region. He's got bigger plans than you may see right now. But I think that's why he gave them scales. He said, in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then to all the world. As you're faithful to go where you are now, God increases you to where he needs. And he's now saying, hey, look, I can now use them in this situation. And he grows you up some more. And now I can use you in this situation. And the only instructions were, go. You start. Five, two, one. Doesn't matter go with what you have now. If we think about this, this idea of Jesus giving us his authority, we see this reflected back in his original intention all the way back in the book of Genesis. When he finished creating the animals, he created the planet, he created the stars, the the air, the birds, the bears, all of that stuff. He then gets to man and he has a conversation about what he's going to do. Up until this point, he just said, be. And now in verse 26 of Genesis 1, he stops and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have a conversation about you. And they say, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over all the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Do you know what he said when he said, let them have dominion? It's the Hebrew word radah, which means to have dominion, to prevail against, and to reign. God's intention for humanity on this earth was not to be a subject, but to reign over all of the works of his hand. And we see that reflected what Paul said in the work of Jesus in Romans 5.17. He says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. God's intention for you is to reign in 
over his creation, over all of the works of his hands. I like how the Passion Translation says it. It says, death once held us in its grip, and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, which means it's not the same way anymore. He says, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. God's intention for you was to reign, not be dominated. And so if we now go back to Genesis, God has the conversation, let's give them dominion. So, did it just stay in a thought in his head or a conversation that they had? Well, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. So obviously, they had the conversation, we should do it in his, our image. And then he did it. And he created a male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, which means reign over it, have dominion he did exactly what he said he was going to do and then adam screwed it all up (laughs) so god sent jesus fixed it and said hey it's by jesus not by you you can't wreck it (laughs) and so after he gives them dominion He's blessed them, which means they're empowered to prosper or empowered to increase. After he blesses him, what does he say to them? See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, every tree whose fruit yields seed, it shall be to you as food, and also to every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life i have given every green herb for food and it was so what did he do he gave him dominion and then told him what he can use because he meant for them to be active and then god saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good Up until this point, everything he created, he said it was good. And then when he finished with you, he said, very good. Hallelujah. In Adam, God set the earthly kingdom in his hand. In Jesus, God set all of the kingdoms in his hand. And we see that in Jesus In Matthew 16, he says, and I will give you, everyone say, me, Me. the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you, everyone say, me, bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What did he just say to them? He said, you get to determine what's allowed in your life, what has to stay, and what has to go. So, that's a pretty blank slate. 
What do you want to stay and what do you want to go? So the question we need to now answer as we begin to come in for a landing, how is authority used? If you've been given this power from God, how do you use it? Valid question, I think. Wouldn't you want to know that? Think about if you set someone in, that had never seen a computer before and said you can access any information on any subject right here. Wouldn't you be like, so how do I do it? Right? To have all of that at your fingertips, you should want to know how do we do it now? Well, Jesus was, had a great conversation with a guy who wasn't even a Jew. He was a Roman. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Now, when Jesus had entered to Capernaum, now think about this. This is his region where before we had already talked about when he came there last time, the power of God was present to heal, but everyone was offended at him and no one got healed. Now we have, he's in the same region, and a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented and jesus said to him oh that's fine i'll come and heal him because jesus has never said no in any of the stories verse 8 it says the centurion answered and said lord i'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed that just seems pretty interesting just in itself but his reasoning for it is what makes it the most interesting. Next verse says, For I also am a man under authority. The centurion recognized that Jesus was operating under God's authority. And he knew from his own experience with authority how that works. He's like, I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. So how do you exercise your authority? You speak it. You got pain in your body? You say, pain, in the name of Jesus, take a hike. You need opportunities? You need things to change, doors to open for you? I speak open doors in the name of Jesus. You need new clients for your business? I speak new clients coming through my door in the name of Jesus. What is it that you're saying about yourself in your situations? What about your relationships? We can sometimes spend so much time thinking about all the things that are a problem. How about we begin to say, oh, I love this person so much. You know, Robin and I were just talking about that this week with ourselves. Like, you know, we need to be more communicative and just be like, if you're feeling it, go ahead and say it. Remind me how much you love me. You know, because sometimes men can be like the situation, you know, I said I love you when we got married, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. (laughs) But do you understand how God created the world? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the waters, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, 
let there be light. Jesus never healed a person by thinking about it. If I will this enough, it will just happen. <laughs> Jesus never did that. What did Jesus do, though, consistently? Get up and walk. Go show yourselves to the priests. Let me spit in some mud and rub it in your eyes. <laughs> Jesus never thought about it. He always told it what to do. And it's his authority that's been given to you. And so the centurion says, I'm a man under authority. I know how this works. You don't even need to come to my house. Just speak the word and I know it will be done. And Jesus' response, when he heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith. Not even in Israel. Great faith. Because he believed that when the authority is used, things change. And so Jesus just said to them, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. As you have believed. You realize that Jesus wasn't even really a part of this whole situation? Jesus said, sure, as you've believed, let it be done. Not as I've directed. The centurion was more important in this situation than Jesus was. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus wasn't involved in that at all. She got healed and Jesus said, who touched me? So if you're waiting on God, maybe consider the possibility that he's waiting on you and that there's more power sitting right before you than you could ever imagine. The same power that led Peter and John. Oh, you thought, I thought I forgot about the core verses, right? <laughs> Acts chapter 3. They go at the hour of prayer. The lame man's there. Peter says, look at me. In the name of Jesus, get up. Silent authority is unused authority. So Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That's the authority that's been given to you. Go ahead and stand up with me. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't taken the first step. Jesus has been provided for every one of us. If you're watching us via the internet, I don't want you to wait another moment without opening up your heart to receive Jesus. Because as you do, He comes and gets inside and floods you with His power and His authority. You don't have to wait another day. And so as a church, we would love to pray with you. Right now, let's say, Father, we thank You for Jesus. And right now, I receive Him. I declare Him as Lord. I receive His power. I receive all that comes with Him. And I thank You for it. In Jesus' name. So church, what I want you to think of this week is are there times where I'm staying quiet where I should be speaking to it? Because the thing the enemy wants you to do, he doesn't care what power you have if you don't use it. 
If you see a situation in your life, it does not line up with the Word of God, speak to it. Tell it to line up. And you just watch as things begin to change. How you guys doing? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. <laughs> you are so good. And so we praise you. Hallelujah. Well, it's one of those things where we could keep going on, but I think we're not going to. Let's have some coffee and fellowship and let the Holy Spirit work in your conversations with each other. He's just as much in you as he is in me. Let's have a great week.